This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Don't make a pig of yourself. Hunters have a habit of doing that when they're hunting feral hogs. Hi, everyone. This is Ron Spomer with another episode of RSO Podcast. I found an old successful hunter magazine in which I have a story about feral hog hunting. And that has gotten real popular in recent years. And it's a good thing that we're out there taking care of these problem animals because they do millions upon millions of dollars of damage, not only to agricultural crops, but to wildlife. I mean, they are hard on any ground nesting birds in particular. So taking out these invasive species is what they are, is a good idea. So Hog hunting is open year-round. They're considered vermin in virtually all states, but do check your regulations before you jump in. Here is a story I wrote after, I believe, well, more than one hog hunt. I hear there are some pictures here from California hog hunting. There's one from Kansas back when it almost started an epidemic of hogs. And we even a shot here from Australia. They have a big feral hog problem there too. So let's dive into this. They called it High on the Hog by Ron Spomer. Medicare should pay for pig hunting. When you're suffering terminal impatience awaiting the opening of deer season, feral swine are there to relieve the pressure. Pork on the hoof is probably more effective than Valium, medical marijuana, and Tylenol. Why should the government pay for your nervous breakdown when, for less money, they could send you pig hunting? I got my first poor sign relief late in life when Terry Clarkson told me a swine herd had taken up residence on his Kansas ranch. They're running the creek, hiding up in the cedars on the south slope. I've taken two already, he said. Go ahead and get yourself one. Well, with half a day to kill before deer season opened and a new 6mm Remington rifle that needed christening anyway, I pulled into Terry's big pasture mid-morning and I climbed out of the car for a look-see. Tracks were everywhere. One heck of a fawn crop must have hatched that spring. Oh, wait a minute. 
Those little cloven hoof prints weren't made by deer. They were signs from hog heaven. Pig prints led across the creek and into the cedars. Low clouds drizzle and low branches dampened my enthusiasm, but a regular barnyard of tracks lured me deeper into the juniper tangle. I was hunched, duck-walking, crawling along, sniffing for that familiar barnyard perfume. Increasingly, humidity was softening the leaf litter as well as my approach. Yard by yard, rod by rod, I slipped beneath the limbs, probing for pork. I'd gone nearly to the end of Terry's mile-long pasture before finally seeing them. A snort alerted me. There stood the classically rounded rump of a half-grown red hog. Beyond it stepped a black-and-white one. Well, forget those images of hoary Russian boars popping tusks sharp enough to slice off your leg. These two were walking bacon and pork tenderloins awaiting the grill. Half a winter of fine dining. I laid the Zeiss scope crossers on the black and white shoulder, but I didn't shoot. The increasing rain was greasing the four-wheel drive trail that climbed steeply out of the valley that I'd driven into a mile behind me, and dusk was falling, and, well, was I really hungry enough to butcher a pig in the mud and drag it an hour and risk getting stuck in the dark? I was not. Wise decision. It started snowing as my little Subaru slipped and spun out of that pasture. Within minutes, a major blizzard was howling. A half hour later, a stranded vehicle loomed on the shoulder of the road, its nose tilted into the ditch. No one was in it. Two miles farther lay another rig tilted crazily. Footprints, nearly obliterated, led away from that one. My little car began fishtailing, tires spinning gamely as it fought for traction and clawed its way up a long hill. An even steeper incline lay ahead. Rather than risk it, I turned down a long, narrow driveway toward an abandoned ranch house, throwing snow to either side and churning up a rooster tail before I finally slid to a stop in the lee of the building. The door was unlocked and the electricity was off, but the walls were solid and I had complete camping gear. I had just finished eating and was listening to the weather report on the car radio when a driver of uh, one of those cars stuck suddenly staggered up. He'd slogged two miles crossing the country in blue jeans t-shirt and a nylon windbreaker, and he was nearly hypothermic. Fortunately, I had spare clothing, insulated coveralls, parka, and food, which soon brought him around. He wrapped himself in some old carpet in that old farmhouse, and he was snoring before I'd even fluffed out my sleeping bag. Well, dawn brought a welcome sunrise and a white landscape across which I tracked whitetails. Afternoon brought melting temperatures and my hunting partner, Tom Berger, who eagerly agreed to accompany back to Terry's place for another go at pig hunting. Well, we ought to be able to cut their tracks down by the creek, I promised. We drove across the spoor of a herd in the upper pasture. Hey, this should be fun, Tom said, and he was right. We followed the meandering trail of eight or nine hogs over a hill and draw and finally came up with them in about a quarter mile. They were rooting up whatever it was feral hogs find edible on a Kansas prairie in late November. The wind was quartering, so we eased closer, picked our targets, and opened fire. Despite Tom's use of his Browning BLR 22250 Remington with 55 grain varmint bullets, he killed a midland-sized hog on the spot. 
I dropped the biggest that I saw in the bunch with a 75 grain Barnes X bullet from the six millimeter. We literally hog dressed them in the snow covered grass. Days later, we filleted the loins and ground the rest of the meat with venison. Man, it put domestic pork to shame. My second chance for a pig and a poke came in the nail ranch in Texas while hunting whitetails the next year. The deer came, compliments of my host, Ken French of Thompson Center Arms. But if I wanted a hog, I'd have to pay for it. I was shooting an Encore 25-06 Remington, which tipped over a pretty 4 by 4 buck the first morning, one shot, just as advertised. Well, then we began looking for a big pig. and We found him, too, the second morning a grotesque haystack of a hog plowing along the property fence. Now there's a pig worth your asking price, I told my guide. Reckon we can get him? Well, the guide reckoned we could, and he led the stock down the nearest draw. Our aim was to loop out of sight around our quarry, ease up the side draw to the fence, and then pop up with that two fifty seven caliber surprise. But when we popped, there was no surprise. The haystack was gone. Tracks led under a barbed wire fence, sagging woefully after the stretch of the pig's passing. After that near miss, we could find no other hog worthy of our attentions, but Ken's wife Pam found a splendid black boar with long curving tusks that really whetted my appetite for a trophy pig. She had taken it with a single shot from her own .25-06. The hog's tusks measured five inches outside the gums. Despite what you hear, feral pigs are not armor-clad. Yes, the old boars do grow a layer of cartilage and gristle over their shoulders, but nature designed it to turn tusks, not bullets. Any stout slug will punch through, even a twenty-two caliber, and once it does, the lungs deflate as you'd expect. Of course, with their infamous layers of fat, pigs can pluck a leak quickly, so it's prudent to use large calibers and bullets known to penetrate deeply. A large exit wound expedites tracking, as I learned while trying to relocate my third wild hog. It was a sizable black boar that I shot from 300 yards in the grassy mountains west of California's Yosemite National Park. Over the years, I'd heard about the left coast's overabundance of destructive feral swine, and I was eager to have a go at them when Weatherby's Brad Riddell invited me to hunt a ranch that his company had leased. In exchange for the hunt, I was to evaluate the new Weatherby ultralight rifle in 7mm 08 Remington. Well, that was an onerous chore that someone had to do. Somewhat of a light rifle nut, I instantly liked the look, balance, and feel of that 5 and 3 quarter pound rifle. And it got that way via Weatherby's stiff hand-laid aramid fiberglass stock, a small six-lug bolt, a lightened action, and a fluted 24-inch barrel rather than the shortened barrel common on many factory lightweight rifles. With Weatherby's 140-grain factory ammunition, that rifle clustered three quick shots inside at one and a quarter inches at 100 yards. I was hog-ready. Unfortunately, I never got to test it on a pig. On the second evening of our hunt, someone, duh, left said rifle in the truck while we strolled a few yards to the edge of a knoll to grass across a valley. The idea was to spot a distant pig, then plan a stalking route. Unexpectedly, a black boar strode into view directly below us, heading for a deep brushy draw. He'll go before you get back, Brad hissed as I turned for the truck. Just use this. He handed me his Mark V custom 300 Weatherby Magnum with a 26-inch barrel. How's it sighted, I asked. It's dead on at 275 yards. Just hold behind his shoulder. 
I held a smidgen lower to compensate for the steep downhill angle, swung with the porker as it strode into view, and pulled what proved to be a crisp, reasonably light trigger. The rifle caught me and the boar by surprise. He ran over a rise and was seen no more. Did I hit it? Felt good. Oh, you hit it all right, Brad assured me. We'll find it dead just over that rise. Well, not quite that close. We picked up scuff marks, then a faint blood trail that led us slowly, tentatively, more than 100 yards before we found that 250 to 300 pound hog stretched out in the yellow grass as if it had expired in mid-stride. It probably had. What surprised me about that animal was the distance it ran after taking a high-speed 180-grain X bullet through the boiler room. The pigs we'd shot in Kansas with calibers that most experienced hog hunters wouldn't even consider just didn't last nearly as long. Of course, they weren't mature 300-pound boars either. Later on that same hunt, my partner, Greg Gutschow, punched through an identical boar that also ran quite a ways before expiring. Essentially, both our animals were dead on their feet, but didn't know it. The point is, they can run a surprising distance despite a perfect shot. So, a large bullet that leaves an exit hole might be the best tool for the job. More proof of pig-like tenacity came during an Australian hunt two years later. Down under feral hogs are more of an environmental problem than their stateside cousins, if that's even possible. Like our pigs, Aussie hogs were introduced to an environment that had evolved for millions of years without their gluttonous, omnivorous appetites. As a result, they wreak havoc on utterly defenseless plants and animals. Considered vermin by ranchers and naturalists alike, they are shot indiscriminately and regularly. Lest you think this policy keeps them lightly sprinkled across the landscape and quite nervous, think again. The Australian outback is huge and unsettled. Some ranches cover more than a million acres and include dense grasses, brush, eucalyptus forests, and precious few humans. The owners live in town, and they journey to the ranches for essential chores like the annual roundup. A few hired hands check water wells now and then, but overall, there is minimal disturbance. Pigs on the two ranches that we hunted were abundant and quite diurnal in their habits. This made for some fast and furious shooting. I found my first porker standing in dense grass and shade along a drying water course less than 300 yards away, rump to me. I was shooting a 140-grain fail-safe bullet from a Browning A-Bolt 270 WSM, and I had no compunction about taking that stern-to-stem shot, at which the hog simply collapsed. Due to the pig's black hair and the shadows in which he stood, I'd slightly misjudged his angle and put the bullet on a steeply raking path through three ribs, behind the shoulder, through four more ribs, and three neck vertebrae before penetrating the head and coming to rest just under the hide over the critter's nose. That's the kind of bullet performance you want for pigs. On the other hand, such superb penetration might sometimes be overkill. On that same hunt, Scott Grange and I slipped up on a pod of pigs sleeping beside a billabong, which is in Australia, a waterhole. Hey, you take the one on the left, I'll take the one on the right. One, two, three, okay, go. One, two, three. Well, the porcine pandemonium that broke out. <laughs> well, we each had targeted the biggest pork on our respective sides of the table, but we seemed to have missed. So we shot them again on the run. Then we switched to the next biggest targets and so on until our magazines were dry. 
Thereafter, there were so many pigs scrambling in so many directions that we were able to load a couple more rounds each and resume firing. When the dust settled, it appeared we'd missed all but the first two pigs, but a further search through the grass uncovered a total of six stone-dead hogs. Careful examination revealed that we had missed nary a shot. But (laughs) we'd shot some of the same animals twice, thinking that we'd missed. On broadside shots through the lungs, those stout fail-safe bullets had sailed through, kicking up dust on the backside as if we'd shot high. Our victims had run 20 to 50 yards before succumbing. Again, they were dead on their feet and easily tracked, thanks to large exit wounds. Well, there was no such response from a big blonde boar that I shot through the lungs from 240 yards as it trotted through shoulder-high grass. At that distance, the fail-safe bullet seemed to transfer plenty of energy to the target while still punching through both sides. The hog simply fell on its side, dead. The last two places I hunted hogs were eye-openers, South Carolina and Texas. In those two states, I saw more pig sign than anywhere else and no pigs. In both states, hogs are hunted so hard that they appear to have gone nocturnal. If not that, they are at least sticking to the thickest, darkest swamps and thickets. I still hunted elevated two-track roadways through the Carolina swamps with a powerful 300 Jarrett rifle. That one was topped with a huge 30mm Swarovski 3-12 by 50mm scope for optimum light transmission. This rifle was ready for a big bore at close range or at far range in bright light or dim light, and I fully expected to see one given the churn condition of the formerly vegetated road shoulders. I have plowed fields from the seat of a John Deere tractor that were no more ripped up and turned over than those snout-abused roads. Yet nary a pig poked its snout into view. I sat in tree stands at dawn and dusk, hoping less light and less disturbance would turn up a pig, but didn't. We didn't even see a porker in the headlights while driving out. Man, those must be the hogs you hunt with dogs. Swine on the unfenced 700 Springs Ranch in the Texas Hill Country had similar habits. They left plenty of overturned sod along the banks of the scenic South Llano River, but they refused to show a hair. On that hunt, I was hoping to take my first game with a Remington 300 Ultra Magnum Model 700 topped with an Adirondack Smart Scope. That scope takes a digital photograph the instant you pull the trigger. Alas, instead of collecting a picture of a hog with my crosshair superimposed over its shoulder, I enjoyed a nature hike. (laughs) On the last morning, I did tag good access buck in hard antler, but the pigs lived to root another night. They say pigs are more intelligent than dogs, and I'm beginning to believe it. A friend in Texas has invited me down to shoot hogs, but he recommends I bring a spotlight and plenty of corn. Folks around here pressure them so hard that a midnight baiting party is your only chance to see one. And then you only have a second or two to shoot, he complained. Uh, So they're getting kind of rare around your place, I foolishly asked. (laughs) Duh. No, they're tearing the place apart. Having been fortunate enough to have hunted a wide variety of big game animals on four continents, I've been somewhat surprised by hog hunting. First, I didn't expect to be able to glass and stalk them like in Kansas. yet. That hunting technique works well where the habitat permits. So does still hunting. Pigs might have powerful noses, but they aren't much for visual acuity. Hunt into the wind, read sign, and you're likely to come upon them in reasonably open habitat. 
Third, having heard horror stories about bulletproof bores, I didn't expect centerfire 22s and 243s to top, tip them over. Tom Berger drops them regularly with his 22-250 Remington. Small calibers will suffice on younger hogs, but for the big stuff, you'd better get a 284 or larger caliber. Stout bullet construction is more critical than powder capacity and bore size. If you like pork and you've overlooked wild hogs, whether they be genuine Russian boars or feral domestics or hybrids, get your head out of the sand and check things out. The meat is delicious. The hunt is challenging. The licenses are inexpensive or free. The seasons are long or wide open, and the bag limits are generous. Odds are your current deer rifle will more than suffice. So load it up and try hog hunting. Well, that was my early experiences with hogs. I've since had a lot more, and I have taken a wide variety of rifles and cartridges. So don't assume that uh, you're going up against uh, the world's biggest, meanest carnivore, but it certainly never hurts to have a bigger boar on those guys. I think the smallest cartridge I ever used on hogs successfully was a 221 fireball shooting a 50 grain varmint bullet. <laughs> the pig was far enough away with that little fireball's l- relatively low velocity. The bullet had slowed enough by the time it got there that it punched through the ribs behind the shoulder and through to the other side, again behind the shoulder, um, and just lodged against the hide, sort of like a classic cup and core deer bullet. Um, Pig ran about, I don't know, 50 to 100 yards and rolled over. Uh, bullet through the lung seems to do it every time. Um, but yeah, if I had my options, I think I would stick with a 30 caliber or larger, or maybe a, a 7 millimeter of some kind. But by golly, you'd need to use a big tough bullet if you come across a big boar. And yes, even though I've not had any trouble with them, plenty of people have been charged. You get one cornered and they are a vicious animal and they've got some substantial teeth. They've been known to rip you up pretty badly. And I wouldn't surprise me if someone's been killed by wild hogs before. Um, They've been around a long time and humans have been hunting them for a long time. But if you ever get a chance, uh, help out nature here in the U.S. of A. by getting rid of those feral hogs and obviously do the same in Australia or anywhere else where there are a wild, feral creature, not a natural inhabitant of the area. Invasive species cause a lot of problems, and as hunters, we can help things out when we get the chance. So, I recommend you try hog hunting wherever you might find them. And until next time, this is Ron Spomer signing off. Hunt honest and shoot straight.